The Durham report is finally out. And what I want to know is, will Jake Tapper be returning that award? This is the Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. Top story today. That Durham report was finally released yesterday. This is special counsel John Durham's report on his investigation into the FBI's handling of the Trump-Russia investigation. It's an easy one to forget about because it began over three years ago. The report is over 300 pages long, so I have not read it all, but I have gone through and pulled some bits and pieces of it that I find interesting that I will share with you. And I've also seen various mainstream reports on it from CNN and MSNBC, both of whom downplay the findings and kind of even frame it as a victory for them. In fact, one of the main takeaways from this report that I've heard multiple CNN anchors speak matter-of-factly about is that Durham was only brought in to do this investigation to find evidence of a deep state that colluded against Trump. And he failed. He didn't find it. Therefore, they win. And the only reason they tell us that the FBI opened up a Trump-Russia investigation, which the report found it never should have done, is because of confirmation bias. That's right. Wasn't a deep state. It was just a, a cognitive blind spot on behalf of the FBI. That's all it was. Here's one example of CNN expressing that point of view right here. Uh, one of the reasons why uh, Durham was brought on board was supposedly to go beyond what the inspector general of the Justice Department uh, found in, in their investigation. And one of the things they were supposed to do was to tell us a lot about what the intelligence community was doing. It turns out uh, they didn't find very much uh, there in, in, in the intelligence community and certainly not to support the suspicions that they had that there was a cabal of, of, of people from the FBI and the intelligence community who were out to get Donald Trump. That appears to have fallen flat. And here he is, same guy talking about the confirmation bias. Justice correspondent Evan Perez. Evan, what exactly did Durham find in this report? Well, Jake, the, uh, the bottom line finding from uh, John Durham's four-year investigation is that the FBI moved very quickly to investigate these allegations of connections, of collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia, and that they did so by ignoring a lot of uh, evidence that would have led them to drop that altogether. He's saying that uh, they may have had a uh, reason to uh, open a preliminary investigation, an assessment, perhaps these are very, very low-level investigations, but certainly what he finds is that there wasn't enough there uh, to, to, uh, to, to support the FBI's decision to open a full-blown investigation of, this, uh, of, of the Trump-Russia ties back in 2016. I'll tell you uh, one part of, of what he writes here. He says uh, that it seems highly likely that at a minimum, confirmation bias played a significant role in the FBI's acceptance of extraordinarily uh, uh, serious allegations derived from uncorroborated informa information that had not been subjected to the typical exacting analysis uh, that the FBI usually uses. Uh, he goes on to say that the FBI discounted or willfully ignored material information that did not support the narrative of a collusive relationship between Trump and Russia. So there you have it. There's the programming your progressive friends will be receiving and repeating back to you. Never mind the actual interesting findings that came out in this report. Like, surprise, surprise, and you better sit down for this one. The Steele dossier was bogus. I know. That P dossier that we all thought was so true 
turns out not to be so true. In fact, the term dossier is used 73 times throughout this report. And I learned something about that term dossier today while researching the show. Did you know that Jake Tapper and Carl Bernstein are actually credited with making the phrase the dossier part of our lexicon? This is a true thing that I learned today, and I'm going to show you in a moment. But first, I want you to hear something that Jake Tapper said about the Durham report on his show last night. The first part of this clip is him downplaying the whole report. But at the end of his little intro here, he does make an admission that you might find interesting. Regardless, the report is now here. It has dropped, and it might not have produced everything of what some Republicans hoped for. It is, regardless, devastating to the FBI And to a degree, it does exonerate Donald Trump. So that's an interesting thing to hear coming from Jake Tapper, that it does in a way exonerate Trump, which I kind of expected that he would follow that up by announcing that he would be returning the Mary Men Smith Award for broadcast that he and Carl Bernstein, along with a couple of others, won back in 2018 for, among other things, making the phrase the dossier part of our lexicon. I'm serious. That's one of the reasons they said that they were given this award. This is the White House Correspondents Association website, which is the organization that gives this award out. On their official Merriman Smith Award page, which you can see on screen here, it says why the judges gave them this award. Here's what it says. The Merriman Smith Award for broadcast goes to Evan Prez, who is the guy who was just on there with Tapper, Jim Schuto, Jake Tapper, and Carl Bernstein of CNN from the judges. These four journalists and a number of other CNN reporters broke the story that the intelligence community had briefed President Barack Obama and then President-elect Donald Trump that Russia had compromising information about Trump. The CNN team later reported that then-FBI Director James Comey personally briefed Trump about the dossier. Thanks to this CNN investigation, quote, the dossier, it's in quotes, is now part of the lexicon. The depth of reporting demonstrated in these remarkable and important pieces and the constant updates as new information continued to be uncovered showed breaking news reporting at its best. And with that said, here's one of the many things the Durham report concluded about the dossier. And this is an exact quote from the report on page 304. I'll put it up on screen now. Here's what it says. The FBI ignored the fact that at no time before, during, or after Crossfire Hurricane were investigators able to corroborate a single substantive allegation in the Steele dossier reporting. (laughs) So, Jake, Carl, other dudes, are you going to be giving back that award and that $2,500 that you got for it. Unbelievable $2,500 for programming the public with a term, the dossier, which is about a fantasy that never happened that many will continue to believe to be true for years to come. All in a day's work for you guys, huh, Jake? What, what, what a joke. Here's Jimmy Kimmel talking to Jake about winning that very award back in 2018. <laughs> 
I guess. You were the recipient of a, an award. We all focus on the on the comedian, but there is an award ceremony, and you won the Merriman Smith Award. That That's is- right, for breaking news coverage. Me and a team of reporters, Jim Shooto, Evan Perez, and, and the legendary Carl Bernstein uh, won an award. We, we broke the story in January 2017 that the intelligence chiefs had heard about this dossier. We all know about the dossier now. Yeah. And that they had briefed President Obama and then President-elect Trump on the existence of this material that the Russians were claiming uh, was compromising. Yes. And was this the biggest story that you've ever broken, would you say? It was pretty big. I don't know. It's tough to compare them all. I've, I've, I've won this award a few times. Carl Bernstein's like a legendary circus clown. That's, that's about as far as his legendary status goes. Hey, we should question everything about Watergate. Absolutely all of it. With Carl Bernstein, what a joke. Jake Tapper, is that the biggest story he's ever broke? It wasn't even a story. Was it the biggest fraud you'd ever, you know, propagated? Perhaps that'd be a better question. Is he fired? Of course he's not fired. He should be fired. He should be sent out to the same outhouse that they sent Don Lemon to, and they can sit out there together, thumbing their assholes, and weaving up fantastical tales of bullshit like they love to do till the cows come home for all we care. Unbelievable frauds these people are. And Jake Tapper is still reporting this, downplaying this in his reporting. What a joke and a disgrace. Unbelievable. It's not, it's not unbelievable. It's, it's perfectly believable, actually. Here's some more of what was in the report. And this is from Just the News, who got an early release version of it and has gone through it and uh, done some good reporting on it. Ultimately, the report found that the FBI should have never opened an investigation into Trump-Russia collusion, also known as Crossfire Hurricane, and that it had no verified intelligence or evidence when it did. <laughs> Durham wrote in the report that neither U.S. law enforcement nor the intelligence community appears to have possessed any actual evidence of collusion in their holdings at the commencement of the Crossfire Hurricane investigation. This is what we talked about all the time. They weren't investigating based on evidence found. They were investigating hoping they would find evidence is, is what it was obvious they were doing the whole time. It goes on to say, the prosecutor faulted the department and the FBI for failing to follow their own standards and allowing a probe to persist, including the surveillance of an American citizen without basis under the Foreign Intelligence Service Act. I'm guessing that was Carter Page. I think that's who that was about. And here's what Durham wrote in the report. Based on the review of Crossfire Hurricane and related intelligence activities, we concluded that the department and the FBI failed to uphold their important mission of strict fidelity to the law in connection with certain events and activities described in this report. The FBI personnel also repeatedly disregarded important requirements when they continued to seek renewals of the Pfizer surveillance warrant while acknowledging then and in hindsight that they did not genuinely believe there was probable cause to believe that the target was knowingly engaged in clandestine intelligence activities on behalf of a foreign power. Durham specifically faulted the FBI for relying on evidence from the campaign of 2016 Democrat presidential nominee Hillary Clinton, including the Steele dossier, saying leadership lacked the necessary distrust of politically motivated allegations. Durham wrote, Our investigation also revealed that senior FBI personnel displayed a serious lack of analytical rigor towards the information that they received, especially information received from a politically, especially information received from politically affiliated persons and entities. 
This information in part triggered and sustained Crossfire Hurricane and contributed to the subsequent need for special counsel Mueller's investigation. In particular, there was significant reliance on investigative leads provided or funded directly or indirectly by Trump's political opponents. The department did not adequately examine or question these materials and the motivations of those providing them, even when at about the same time the director of the FBI and others learned of significant and potentially contrary intelligence. The special prosecutor pointedly highlighted what he portrayed as a dual system of justice, noting that the FBI never opened a counterintelligence probe of Clinton's campaign. Despite receiving intelligence, she had authorized a dirty trick to paint Trump as a stooge for Russian President Vladimir Putin to impact the outcome of the election. (laughs) The FBI's actions with respect to other highly significant intelligence It received from a trusted foreign source pointing to a Clinton campaign plan to vilify Trump by tying him to Vladimir Putin so as to divert attention from her own concerns relating to her use of a private email server, the report concluded. Unlike the FBI's opening of a full investigation of unknown members of Trump of the Trump campaign based on raw, uncooperated information in, in this separate matter involving a purported Clinton campaign plan, the FBI never opened any type of inquiry, issued any taskings, employed any analytical personnel, or produced any analytical products in connection with the information. That's a shock. And here's one more interesting thing. This is just the tip of the iceberg, but here's, here's one more for today anyway. Former CIA director John Brennan came into Durham's crosshairs for his repeated public remarks supporting the narrative that the Trump campaign colluded with the Russian government. Here's a couple of things that Brennan said, despite knowing that there was nothing there. He said, I encountered and am aware of information and intelligence that revealed contacts and interactions between Russian officials and U.S. persons involved in the Trump campaign. He told this to the House Intelligence Committee in 2017. Is this, I don't know, what's the rules when they're testifying to the House Intelligence Committee? Are you allowed to lie to them? He also said, President Trump's claims of no collusion are hogwash which he wrote in the New York Times in 2018. And so, will Brennan continue to be an on-air contributor at MSNBC and CNN, where he continues to associate Trump with Russia? I mean, of course he will. They're not going to take him off air. This is Mockingbird 2.0. In fact, despite all of this, and much, much more in, in the other pages of the document, no criminal charges were recommended. So we're not going to see Brennan, and we're not going to see old James Comey. Everybody remembers that lanky prick. We're not going to see either one of them or any of these other con artists criminally charged. Remember Mueller time? Remember that? Remember the t-shirts people bought and wore? I remember a bunch of my friends in the theater community holding like a 24-hour long thing where where they were like doing live reads of it because they were just so excited that it was coming out. You know, the same way they're going to be making fun of people on the other side that we're kind of waiting for this one to come out. Although I don't remember any it's Mueller time. I don't remember any late night monologues that completely just basically got down on its knees and blew uh, Durham like they did Mueller. I mean, Colbert might as well have been Mueller's private fluffer for like a year, two years, actually. And, And it was all bogus. It was all based on nothing. Which most people knew that. Well, a lot of people knew that. A lot of people bought into it because they just hated Trump so much. And did this not affect the outcome of the 2020 election also? 
like the media, the FBI, the CIA, all colluding together, making millions of people believe that Trump colluded with Russia, something many of them still believe today and will continue believing. Did that not affect the outcome of the 2020 election? Is that not election interference? I think it is. I mean, they still associate Trump with Russia and they will continue to do it. They will continue to associate him as well as anybody who does not openly express absolute hate for him will be called a Putin puppet or something like that. Carrying water for Putin, whatever the stupid stuff is, they say. All right. Next story. I want to comment real quick on the Trump CNN town hall from last week. Watching the town hall, I was surprised because I was expecting the audience to be filled with anti-Trump establishment Republicans that came at him with questions similar to the ones asked by the moderator, Caitlin Collins. Outside of the first person to ask a question, I was wrong. It was actually a pretty pro-Trump crowd. They all seemed to like him, like genuinely like him. And what was also surprising to me, but it probably shouldn't have been in retrospect, was that as they panned the crowd, I saw nothing but white people. These networks and these campaigns, they are all very conscious about diversifying the crowds that they put on screens. All of them are, right, left, it doesn't matter. They all try and show diversified crowds on screen. The people you see behind Trump and Biden, and they're very highly selected, just as are the people you see in the seats of these town hall discussions. So I was a little taken aback about how white the entire audience was maybe I missed a black guy or two, but I, I, I don't think there was many if there were any at all. It seemed to be a crowd that was intentionally void of diversity. It looked like CNN said, I want nothing but white asses in these seats. And all of this made sense to me when I heard Anderson Cooper's apology that I'm sure Many of you have heard at least part of at this point. I'm not going to play a ton of that because, as I said, I'm, I'm sure it's gone around enough to where most people have heard at least like a minute of it. But I do want to play this one part of it because it, to me, makes clear what CNN's plan was the entire time in holding this town hall and moving forward in their coverage of Trump. Here it is. That man you were so upset to hear from last night, he may be president of the United States in less than two years. And that audience that upset you, that's a sampling of about half the country. They are your family members, your neighbors, and they are voting. And many said they're voting for him. Now, maybe you haven't been paying attention to him since he left office. Maybe you've been enjoying not hearing from him, thinking it can't happen again. Some investigation is going to stop him. Well, it hasn't so far. So if last night showed anything, it showed it can happen again. It is happening again. He hasn't changed, and he is running hard. You have every right to be outraged today and angry and never watch this network again. But do you think staying in your silo and only listening to people you agree with is going to make that person go away? If we all only listen to those we agree with, it may actually do the opposite. If lies are allowed to go unchecked, as imperfect as our ability to check them is on a stage in real time, those lies continue and those lies spread. If you're angry or upset, I understand, but you have the power to do something about it. You can actually get involved. You can make a difference, whatever side of the aisle you're on. After last night, none of us can say, I didn't know what's out there. I didn't know what's coming. Okay, so first of all, I never want to see Anderson Cooper say running hard ever again in my life. 
Secondly, it definitely appears to me that CNN in the strategy room, they said something like, look, we're going to cover Trump, okay, because he gets us ratings and he helps us financially. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to make it look like we're covering Trump to warn the country. Now, other networks might put their head in the sand, but not us, not CNN. We need to show everyone what's coming. We need to show them all his racist white supporters, how white and racist they are, and how they laugh and laugh at him making light of sexual abuse. This is what I think CNN is doing. I think this is their strategy. They're trying to get the benefits of the ratings that Trump brings them, while at the same time showing Trump and his supporters to be evil monsters, which they did a poor job of doing. You, you can also see this dynamic, this strategy in play, with the after the panel discussion, after the town hall panel discussions they did, where they were weighing in on how voters felt about Trump's performance, which was also nothing but white people who mostly liked Trump and pushed back on CNN. They brought these people to this town hall to demonize them. That's what they did. Now, that's not the only reason why CNN covered Trump and while they will continue to cover him. Another reason is because Trump versus Biden right now is a better divide and rule narrative than DeSantis versus Biden or whoever else versus Biden or Kamala or who or Michael, Michelle, whoever. Right now, they've already built up the tribal division between those two, and they'll have to kind of start over building that up when we plug other candidates in. And another reason I believe that they're covering Trump is because many Democrats want Trump to win because they believe he's easier to beat than Biden because of this MAGA lost the midterms narrative that is still permeating right now. In fact, you can kind of see that reflected, uh, at least I believe anyway, in this clip I saw earlier tonight from a CNN host that I've never seen in my life talking to former Trump advisor, what's the guy's name, Steve Cortez. And Cortez here is on there, as you can see in the title of this video, why a staunch ex-supporter of Trump is now backing DeSantis. That's the whole purpose of the clip of the interview, yet this woman continues to direct it back towards a conversation about Trump. Watch this. Uh, I believe that the most credible way, the solution, the antidote is Governor Ron DeSantis, this political rising star, this young man of dynamism who took what was a swing state and turned it into a ruby red Republican state. You said that you endorsed Donald Trump partly because he was a disruptor and you think DeSantis is the same thing. I'm curious what you, you meant by that, because Donald Trump certainly was a sure. disruptor, but he did not follow some of the norms of the presidency from historical past. He was a liar. He lied a lot. He was a president who stoked division and anger. And Trump denies this, but there are some people who were convicted of seditious conspiracy who said they blamed Donald Trump for their actions breaking into the Capitol. Would you be okay if DeSantis acted in the same way as former President Trump? Well, Sarah, you and I are certainly not going to agree. I do not think that Donald Trump is a liar. I think he was exactly the disruptor that we needed. Well, back he in has been caught just in because many he was the lies. Right. Just to be fair, he just, has been caught lying okay, over well, and over and over again. So let's be fair. Let's, okay, and let's I mean, be I'm, fair about that. I'm here to advocate for <laughs> Governor DeSantis, but give me a Trump lie then and let's discuss it. There are too many of them to even recount. Literally <laughs> too many okay. to recount. But I will I will do this. Let us talk about DeSantis then. The okay, let us talk about DeSantis then after he challenges her on the lot that's just not a good response 
when somebody says, tell me one of the lies. Well, there's just too many of them to recount. Now we'll get to the subject that we were going to talk about in the first place. She could not that Trump hasn't lied about things, but have one ready at least. And I love that her premise there was that Trump was a disruptor because he he lied as president, as though that's not the standard for politicians since the beginning of time. That that's something that's brand new. They did a lot of that, acting as though things that Trump did were new to politicians doing. When reality is, they've been doing them all the time. They've just not been shedding light on a lot of them. One more thing to wrap up the whole town hall subject is CNN didn't put the entire town hall on their YouTube page. Once they streamed it, you couldn't find it anymore. You can find it on various other YouTube pages, like it's on my YouTube page and a few other people, I'm sure. But they only put some out-of-context clips on there, which I also heard that they cut it short, which I also, that makes sense now, because those are usually an hour and a half or two hours, and it ended at like a weird, like a minute and seven, or an hour and seven minutes or something, which I thought was strange. So that... Definitely makes sense there. It's all, you know, it's all narrative fun and games that these people are playing, psychological warfare at at various levels. On to another Trump-related subject, because that is where we are right now and where we will probably be for some time. One of the next possible indictments that they like to talk a lot about is the one potentially coming down in Georgia, Fulton County, Georgia, where the central claim is that Trump asked the Georgia Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, who I think is a CIA plant, they asked him to illegally find, or they say that Trump on a phone call asked him to illegally find votes that Trump didn't earn, to make them up out of thin air, and to change the outcome of the election in Georgia. And as I've said many, many times, anyone who listens to the entirety of that phone call knows that this claim is stupider than a cat named Vagina. However, I do want you to hear what Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger himself, the man Trump allegedly pressured, had to say when asked by CNN's Caitlin Collins, the nasty woman herself, when asked if he believed that Trump was trying to strong arm him into finding votes that Trump did not earn. I thought what he had to say is pretty interesting. And so he, he had those facts. He called you. You explained again to him the numbers. But do you believe he was strong arming you in to using your office to get him votes that he did not earn from voters? Well, I knew that we didn't have the votes. We knew that we had checked out everything, every single allegation. In fact, he handpicked Bobby Christine, his U.S. attorney from the Southern District, to come up to Atlanta and specifically look at the Fulton County counting. Notice what he said there, just so you hear that again. Do you believe he was strong arming you into using your office to get him votes that he did not earn from voters? Well, I knew that we didn't have the votes. He didn't say yes. He did not say yes. I felt like he was pressuring me into finding votes he didn't earn. And she does not go back to the question and he never gets around to answering it. He completely dodged it. That is not the way someone who felt pressured answers that question. They say, absolutely. Yes, he pressured me. It was criminal and they need to indict. He doesn't even answer the question. If I am Trump's people, I am playing that clip over and over again to whatever, however, wherever this grand jury process is, if it's still, actually, I think it's wrapped up at this point. I, I don't know. I don't even know where it is in the process right now. This needs to be heard by anybody making that decision. Not that they're making the decision based on reality a- at all. And right there is all the evidence you need outside of the phone call itself. I was thinking about this woman, Fannie Willis, or whatever her name is, who's conducting this investigation in Georgia, the district attorney. Every day she gets up and she goes to work and she puts her time in and... 
spends her energy on working on something that she almost definitely knows is just complete and total BS because they have to look and find the angles to try and make it seem like it's something it's not. So they almost certainly know that it's BS. Her job is to pretend that something that isn't total BS is actually legitimate and genuine and convince a a bunch of other people that it is uh, as well every single day. 40, 50, 60 hours, her, her people, all all these other people that are involved in the investigation, the jurors, uh, all the resources being put in on something that is just totally BS. That is what they spend their lives doing. We're trying to make something that's total BS seem like it's not. Acting as though they're putting in just an honest day's work. There's nothing honest about wasting taxpayer money on an investigation that everyone knows is a complete fraud. Of course, she has to do it. She won't get elected again, obviously. That's just what politics is in general. I mean, that's a pretty good gig, I guess. We need you to play pretend every single day we're going to pay you a whole bunch of money and give you a position of power. All right. Let's play some pretend. All right, before we get to the final story of the Drive Time News Blast, a story which shows a little bit of skin, I want to tell you what we're going to do in the Drive Time News Blast XR, the subscriber-only portion of the show. I'm going to do another demonstration of using open-source intelligence research techniques online to find cool information that they don't want you to find using traditional search engines, which to give you a sampling of what we found during this demonstration, we found a DOD fact sheet from May 9th that lists all of the weapons that we've sent to Ukraine since the beginning of the Ukraine-Russia war. We found a recently published report on the government strategy for implementing AI, responsible AI into society, and we found a government reading list of over 100 books for information war so that their info warriors can hone their skills at shaping culture. You can find a lot of cool stuff when you know how to use these open source research techniques. They're easy to use, and I show you how to do it in the XR. If you want access to that subscriber-only content, you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and subscribe there today. What you will get along with the subscriber-only portion of the show is you will get this show, the Drive Time News Blast, ad-free. I take out all the ads for subscribers, and I put it together with the XR portion of the show, and it goes directly into a private RSS feed that you can pop into just about any podcast player, and it will be delivered directly to you when the show is uploaded. And for shows or for XRs like this where there's video demonstrations, you will also get the video version of uh, the show as well. So that's patreon.com slash propaganda report. It's how I support the show. If you're unable to support financially right now, share the show with a friend if you like it. Leave me a five-star review with a comment that warms my heart. I can't tell you how much that motivates me. It truly does. It helps me keep going. And you can follow me on Twitter at Freedom Act Radio, at YouTube at youtube.com slash Brad Binkley, on Rumble at rumble.com slash The Prop Report. And you can find every one of my shows on my website at propagandafight.com. All right, on to the final story of the day, which is going to be a quick hitter. Martha Stewart at age 81 has been chosen as one of Sports Illustrated's swimsuit cover models, making her the oldest to grace the annual swimsuit issue, breaking the previous record of 74 years old, which was set just last year by Elon Musk mom, May Musk, to which Elon was thrilled about because he said he had been looking for a second swimsuit addition to stuff under his mattress. Now, unfortunately... Playboy is no longer making print edition, so Martha won't be able be able to do that next. But let's all keep our fingers crossed that she takes the next logical step and starts an OnlyFans. Because as, as you can see by the image on screen here, hubba hubba hubba, if I were 81. Other cover models chosen for this year's swimsuit edition are actresses 
Megan Fox and Brooks Nadar, and transgender female recording artist Kim Petrus, who in her younger years appeared on a German television current affairs show at the age of 13, in which she discussed her medical gender transition, and then again at the age of 14, appeared in a documentary in a push to get permission for early gender confirmation surgery at age 16 before the minimum age of 18 in Germany. These appearances resulted in international media coverage of her transition, touting her as the world's youngest transsexual. I think we all see what's going on here. We have the older woman there, no ageism. We have the trans woman, youngest transsexual ever there, so no transphobia there. Clearly, Sports Illustrated is fatphobic and racist because I don't see Lizzo anywhere. Where's Lizzo? Why has Lizzo not yet been on the cover of Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition? You know Elon's stuffing that one underneath his mattress. This, the lack of inclusivity is disgusting to me, and I can't even take it anymore. I have to end the show right there because I'm so upset at Sports Illustrated. Disgusting. Give me Lizzo. And Stacey Abrams on the same cover. Thank you for listening to the show. We'll talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.